Good morning. From the newsroom of the Financial Times, today is Friday, February 1st, and this is your FT News Briefing. Today, Amazon delivers record profits but sees a slower growth ahead. U.S.-China trade talks wrap up without a solid deal. And new research from the U.K.'s Low Pay Commission shows that a raise in the minimum wage hasn't resulted in the widespread adoption of automation some had expected. Then the FT's Ed Crooks explains how GE is making its way out of crisis mode. I'm Eric Krupke, and here's the news you need to start your day. Amazon announced its third consecutive record quarterly profit on Thursday. Net income for the e-commerce giant rose 63% to $3 billion on revenue of more than $72 billion, thanks to strong holiday sales. But shares in Amazon dropped nearly 5% after hours after the company said it would ramp up spending in 2019. And it warned investors that its pace of growth in the current quarter would slow. Some of that forecast comes from uncertainty around new rules for foreign e-commerce companies operating in India. The rules went into effect this week and forced Amazon to remove products from its site there. Also, in 2018, Amazon pulled back on hiring and capital spending, which boosted profits. And on Thursday, finance chief Brian Olsavsky told analysts the company was planning to invest more in the coming year. And the latest round of trade talks between the U.S. and China wrapped up with not much to show. President Trump said China had agreed to buy 5 million tons of soybeans from the U.S., which would help ease the pressure on North American farmers. But the president also said it would take more meetings with President Xi Jinping to reach a deal. Uh, I think that probably the final deal will be made, if it's made, will be made between myself and President Xi. But we're certainly talking about theft. We're talking about every aspect of trade with a country. And we're talking about fentanyl, too. The chance of a major breakthrough this week was already relatively low. China had yet to make a new proposal on key structural issues. And on Monday, the U.S. indicted Huawei on criminal charges, alleging that the Chinese telecoms company stole U.S. technology and violated U.S. sanctions. The two sides have until March 1st to reach an agreement. If a deal isn't reached, U.S. tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese imports will go from 10% to 25%. Investors worry that kind of increase would destabilize financial markets and the global economy. But on Thursday, news that the U.S. and China had agreed to further high-level talks helped the mood on Wall Street. This was also improved by the Fed decision this week to hold off on rate rises, plus some good industrial company results. The S&P 500 rallied nearly 8% for the month of January by the close of trading. New research shows a higher minimum wage might not have a big effect on the number of jobs that companies decide to automate. The UK's Low Pay Commission found that a one-pound increase in the so-called national living wage led to less than a quarter percent decline in jobs that can be automated. Supporters of the higher wage floor have argued that it could prompt British companies to invest in technology that would help boost the country's dire productivity growth. Britain's productivity growth has disappointed economists for the past decade. And some economists suggest that low-wage growth has helped companies to use inefficient production techniques. In other words, to hold off on investing in new machinery or training workers. And here's a closer look at one of today's big stories. General Electric is one of the best-known names in American business. But recently, investors have been concerned about its financial position. Many of its businesses aren't performing well, and the company has amassed a huge amount of debt. 
Now GE is trying to raise cash by selling businesses. The FT's U.S. industry and energy editor Ed Crooks says investors were pleasantly surprised by the absence of bad news when GE announced fourth quarter earnings on Thursday. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the General Electric fourth quarter 2018 earnings conference call. I think investors were definitely looking for more indications on the disposal program, on how GE is getting on with selling businesses, and there were various bits of news there. Crucial thing, I think, is that the the sale of almost half of the healthcare business is definitely on track. With, with respect to healthcare, uh, what we can confirm today is that we're on the path toward an IPO. Uh, here in 2019. And I think the other thing, crucially, that people were looking for was, what are the nasty surprises? GE has made a habit of hitting people with really unpleasant things, with extra money that they've had to pay for their um, insurance liabilities, with investigations from the Securities and Exchange Commission, with other kind of problems cropping up in businesses that people didn't really expect were going to happen. And so I think people, one of the reasons why there was a very um, positive reaction from investors to the earnings on Thursday was that there was just no really shocking bad news in there. And no news is good news, I guess. And I think people very much took it that way. So how did GE do last quarter? The final quarter of last year was a bit of a mixed bag for GE. Things were not amazingly good. Revenues were significantly stronger than analysts had expected. Revenues were up 5%. Industrial segment revenues were up 2% reported and 8% organically, driven by renewables, aviation, oil and gas, healthcare, and transportation. But earnings were actually significantly lower than analysts had expected. But even so, it got, I think, a very favorable reaction from the market, largely because the strength of the earnings showed that there were some really good businesses in GE. GE makes, um, of course, famously aero engines. Anytime you look out of a plane window, you're very likely to see a GE logo. That aviation business has been going really well. It's been going really well. We saw this for Boeing. We saw it really uh, going really well for United Technologies, which makes Pratt & Whitney engines. So that kind of thing is going really strongly for GE. So let's talk about Larry Culp, the, the relatively new chief executive. What did these results tell us about his attempts to clean things up at GE? Larry Kelps had a very interesting approach, really, to tackling this Orgean stables of problems that he's taken on. One of the things he said was, we shouldn't have too many objectives. We shouldn't try and pull the company in too many directions at once. It's a very big and complicated company. It's complicated enough without trying to do lots of different things. And he's been very clear that he has two priorities above all others. And they are one, getting the balance sheet straight. As I've stated already, we are reducing our debt levels both at industrial and GE Capital. Strengthening the company's financial position, that means improving cash generation, improving the profitability of the operating businesses, and also selling assets, doing various deals with all sorts of uh, extraneous businesses that he doesn't regard as core to what GE needs to be doing, selling those off to raise cash. And then two is turning around the power division, the power division which has been the big problem in terms of GE's operating businesses over the past few years. Running power better means improved daily management and how we sell, make and service our products. It's been hit by difficult markets. It's made things worse for itself by being badly run, by not understanding just how difficult the market was. And that means, unfortunately, it looks like pretty clearly it's going to mean more job losses. He talked about meaningful job losses still to come in that division. They've already lost 10,000 jobs over the past year. It's been about 15% of the workforce has already been cut. It looks very likely they will have to shut more factories. 
pull back the capacity of that business in order to reflect the smaller size of the market they're now working in. There was also some good news for G investors in the company said that it had agreed in principle a settlement with the US Department of Justice for its activities in subprime mortgages back in the mid-2000s and that's a settlement for $1.5 billion which is the amount that the company had already said it expected to pay for that. So good news that the uh, cost wasn't any higher. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference. Thank you for joining. You may now disconnect. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back on Monday for all the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon, Amy Keene, and me, Eric Krepke, with help from Jennifer Siegel. Our editor is Amelia Mahasik. Robert Shrimsley is editorial director for the Financial Times. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.